0: Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Michael Ryback. I'm a professor of pharmacy and medicine at the Eugene Applebaum College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences at Wayne State University. I also serve as a scientific editor for infectious diseases for the journal Pharmacotherapy. Today we are talking to Dr. Katie Alney. Dr. Alney is a pediatric infectious disease clinical pharmacist and co-director of the Pediatric Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at University of Kentucky Healthcare. Dr. Alney and her colleagues conducted research exploring methods to estimate vancomycin AUC and published their results in pharmacotherapy. Their manuscript is entitled, Comparison of Bayesian Derived and First-Order Analytic Equations for Calculation of Vancomycin Area Under the Curve. Katie, thank you for submitting your paper to pharmacotherapy and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thanks, Katie. So we have a lot of questions to go over today, so let's get started. Katie, it's stated in your paper that there isn't a lot of data comparing Bayesian forecasting model methods to traditional first-order analytical methods. What was the primary motivation for you and your team to carry out this project at the University of Kentucky healthcare system?
1: Yeah, so we actually transitioned to AUC monitoring for IV vancomycin in 2017. um, And we had been using first order analytical methods to calculate AUC at our institution since that time. When the updated consensus guidelines for therapeutic drug monitoring of vancomycin were released in 2020, They, of course, recommended achieving a goal AUC of 400 to 600 within the first 24 to 48 hours of therapy. And they recommended that either first order analytic calculations using two drug concentrations at steady state or preferably Bayesian software with two vancomycin concentrations be used to calculate AUC. And I think the recommendation to preferentially utilize Bayesian software for calculation of AUC sparked a lot of discussion among our stewardship and ID groups, Um, and after learning more about the cost associated with implementing Bayesian software for our institution in particular, also knowing that we had this robust patient population with a lot of data to pull from, we decided to conduct this study really to compare first order and Bayesian methods with the hope that we could further elucidate what differences, if any, there were between the two methods.
0: Thanks, Katie. Can you briefly walk us through the the methods? Were both Bayesian and first-order analytical methods calculated through the same software, the Insight platform software?
1: Yeah. So this was a single center. It was retrospective cohort study. We had a total of 978 adult hospitalized patients included. And we included patients if they received at least 72 hours of IV vancomycin and had two serum drug concentrations that were obtained within 96 hours of vancomycin initiation. We excluded any patient who had a creatinine clearance less than 30, was receiving renal replacement therapy, or had AKI prior to initiation of IV vancomycin. And then we calculated AUC using first-order analytic methods and also plugged it into the software program to estimate biasin 2 concentration and Bayesian 1 concentration for each patient. So, our linear AUC was calculated using first-order equations, which are included in our supplemental appendix of the study, but the equations that we used are exactly the same equations that we used within our therapeutic drug monitoring guideline, and this is uh, institution-specific, but it does require that two vancomycin concentrations be drawn at steady state. So, of course, a peak drawn two hours following the end of infusion and the trough drawn 30 minutes prior to the next dose. So, this was all done separately from the Insight Rx software program. And then we use the Insight Rx software platform just to calculate Bayesian AUC, both the one and the two concentration estimates. And this was actually done by manually entering all of our patient specific information, as well as vancomycin administration and serum concentration data directly into the software platform. So, essentially, how this was done was that we first entered in the patient's height, weight, their age, and serum creatinine into the Insight Rx platform. And then the platform actually auto selected what it deemed to be the most appropriate population based PK model based off of each of those factors. So then all of the vancomycin doses were then entered into the program along with the vancomycin trough, and that calculated our one-level Bayesian AUC. And then following that, we entered in the peak concentration and then extracted the two-level Bayesian AUC.
0: Thank you for that explanation. You had an impressive 978 patients included in the analysis. In addition, nearly 70% were considered critically ill. Can you tell us a little more about the type of infections that were treated with AUC dosing? And also, do all patients get AUC dosing regardless of infection source at your institution?
1: Yeah, so actually at UK, we monitor um, vancomycin using AUC on all patients regardless of the indication. So we do obtain two-level AUC on any patient who receives or is anticipated to receive at least 48 hours of IV vancomycin. Um, And so the assumption is that this cohort of patients were made up of a broad mix of indications. We didn't specifically collect data on each indication for vancomycin. So unfortunately, we don't have that information for this particular study, but it is just a broad generalization that we use AUC monitoring on all patients receiving bank.
0: It appears uh, on your data that the correlations between Bayesian two-level versus two-level linear methods were really pretty good, with our values exceeding 0.96. Were you and your team surprised by this finding? Because I thought that most people believe that Bayesian would probably be more precise than two-level monitoring.
1: Yeah, 100%. And honestly, I think the answer to this question probably depends on who in our group you asked (laughs) initially. Um, I will say, honestly, when we came up with the research question, I was anticipating that there would be little, if any, difference between the two-level Bayesian and the two-level linear. So I don't think I was as surprised by this finding. I think Mm. where I was really surprised was when we examined the differences in in one-level Bayesian and two-level linear.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about that because one of the advantages, as you know, of the Bayesian method is that you may be able to get a pretty good estimate of the AUC with a single level. This is particularly of interest in your patient population, pediatric patients, where obtaining multiple levels may not be feasible. Can you summarize your findings when one level Bayesian was compared to two level linear methods?
1: Absolutely. And I apologize if I'm long winded here, but so overall, we, We saw the lowest correlation when compared to the remaining comparisons between linear and one concentration Bayesian methods. And this was with an R value of only 0.823. And then it also demonstrated the lowest clinical decision agreement with only 76.8% clinical agreement Hmm. when you looked at the Bayesian one concentration versus linear. And then additionally, the comparison um, between linear and our one concentration Bayesian methods not only demonstrated the largest mean difference in AUC, but also the greatest variability in these differences with a a mean difference of negative 21 and then the 95% limits of agreement ranging from negative 197 to 153. So essentially what this translates to is that for patients with a calculated linear AUC of 500, we could anticipate that the corresponding one-level Bayesian AUC would be on average around within 20 of that estimate, but it had extremely wide variability and could fall somewhere between 400 and 650. Mm -hmm. Overall, I think what I found to be the most impactful was was looking at that clinical decision agreement of only 76.8% and the discordance that was seen as it relates to both nephrotoxicity as well as efficacy. So from an efficacy standpoint, when we calculate our linear AUC as subtherapeutic, so less than 400, the Bayesian one concentration method predicted a therapeutic AUC more than 25% of the time. So, in a patient who we would typically consider to warrant a dose increase to achieve therapeutic concentrations based off of our linear methods, the one level Bayesian estimate would actually have prompted no dose change more than a quarter of the time. And then conversely, from a nephrotoxicity standpoint, when our linear AUC was classified as sub, or super therapeutic, so greater than six hundred, the corresponding Bayesian one concentration AUC was classified as either therapeutic or subtherapeutic for almost a third of the time. So, although a super therapeutic AUC calculated by linear methods would have typically prompted the clinician to reduce that dose. Um, The one concentration Bayesian estimate may have prompted the clinician to either maintain or increase the vancomycin dose for approximately a third of the time. And I guess the the caveat to the clinical decision agreement in general is that we did strictly define, you know, sub-therapeutic, super-therapeutic, and therapeutic. So the actual clinical significance of the discordance may be minimal in comparison to the, the matching so for an example, uh, an AUC of 399 would have been classified as subtherapeutic versus an AUC of 401 would have been classified as therapeutic. So should your clinical decision making really vary between these two, two AUCs? In reality, probably not. And I'm also really glad that you, you bring up pediatrics in here when you talk about one level. Estimates since this is my area of practice currently. And in this study, we did not include any pediatric patients, but I do think this would definitely be an area of interest I'd like to further explore.
0: Yeah, I think everyone's interested in the one level Bayesian to see if they can really pull it off on a clinical basis. So uh, we anticipate your study in the near future. Let's get back to the data for um, uh, one more couple of more questions here. While your data seem to indicate uh, reasonable correlation between these methods there did seem to be some discordance at the higher auc values do you want to comment on that
1: yeah absolutely so we we think the increasing variability that was seen between methods when your linear auc exceeded 600 was likely related to the predictive and the adaptive functionality of bayesian software so essentially the propensity for the software to blunt or smooth the exposure curve based off of adaptive and predictive modeling, which subsequently lessens the predicted exposure. I think it's also worth pointing out that our pharmacokinetic models that we're using within this software don't often accurately represent those patients in whom we would be more likely to see higher than expected vancomycin concentrations. So for example, our patients with deteriorating renal function, Um, that wouldn't have that reflected in the observed serum creatinine. So in general, the nature of the Bayesian approach is to shrink the observed concentrations to align more with the predicted concentrations. So based on pharmacokinetic modeling, which does result in biased predictions for patients who are not well described by the model being used.
0: Well, let's kind of bring it all home then on the um, study results. So based on your study findings, what changes, if any, has your institution adopted regarding these methods? I got a couple more questions. Are you more likely to use two level Bayesian approach? And in what situations would you use the one level Bayesian methods for estimating the AUC?
1: I, I guess I should further clarify that we were provided the Insight Rx platform on a trial basis. And this was to come for the duration of our study. They, they actually were a great group to work with, but we are currently still using linear methods to calculate AUC in all of our patients at UK. So we don't currently have a a Bayesian software platform. And we do use two level linear methods to calculate AUC in actually our youngest neonatal patients all the way up to our oldest adult patients. And so I think that if we were ever to transition to Bayesian software for our institution at any point, I think we would probably need to have a a very serious conversation surrounding our level of comfort with the variability that we saw with the Mm -hmm. one-level Bayesian estimates. And I think, honestly, at the present time, all of us would agree at least that we're on this publication um, that we would preferentially utilize two-level Bayesian.
0: lastly while this was not the primary question for your study AUC dosing has been associated with lower vancomycin nephrotoxicity rates as you know are there any plans to evaluate vancomycin associated AKI since you have instituted an AUC approach for dosing vanco at your institution
1: This is a great question. And actually, one of our previous UK ID residents did conduct a research project looking at exactly this, and he compared the AKI rates in patients who had vancomycin that was monitored with just trough concentrations, so prior to our transition in 2017 to AUC monitoring, and then compared that to rates of AKI that were seen following our transition to AUC monitoring. So I think this publication is actually underway by a separate group of my colleagues, and I am excited to see um, what their results demonstrate.
0: Okay, it's been a pleasure talking to you today about your study. Are there any other final comments you would like to make about this study?
1: I think first and foremost, I would really like to thank ACCP just for the the Futures grant funding that made this research project possible. We definitely could not have done that uh, without the grant And then I think overall what I hope the readers take away from this publication is just a better understanding of the differences between the methods for monitoring vancomycin AUC and perhaps a better perspective on how to interpret these estimations as a whole. I don't think that there is a black and white answer, but our goal overall was really just to give perspective while ultimately allowing for individual reader interpretation. And then I think also hopefully providing sort of a roadmap for other institutions that are looking at evaluating different dosing platforms or models, just being able to look at clinical agreement this way and gain a better understanding across a range of values with the Bland-Altman plots and similar methodology.
0: Well, great, Katie. Thanks for joining us today and telling us about your study.
1: Thank you so much for having me.